Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. I'm Caroline Pudner and this week I'm joined by Adam Newman, who is the curriculum lead and a year six teacher at Farmerlow Primary School in Nottinghamshire. Hello, Adam. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Caroline. No problem. Um, now, can I start, Adam, by asking you about your role at Farmerlow? Um, so I'm curriculum leader and I'm also the Key Stage 2 leader for the school. I actually started working at Farmerlow as a teaching assistant when I was 18. And then when I did my teacher training and yeah, very, very, very lucky to work there. It's a special school, very, very well respected in the school community and you know, consider myself very, very lucky to work there. Right. What makes Farmerlow so special, do you think? Oh, a lot of the time people who come to visit Farmerlow have not been before say something to us about from the minute you walk in, you can almost feel the atmosphere and it's it's a it's just got a lovely warm atmosphere to it it's been described a number of times as being like a family school oh, and yeah. actually we had a an Ofsted inspection in September 2017 and that was commented upon to the inspector so many times that she put it in her report that it it's regarded as a family school mm. it's got a, a lovely welcome atmosphere to it and I think everybody's got the same ethos that we really put the kids at the heart of what we do Everybody's got very high standards, everybody's very driven, but also we're very lucky uh, to have such a supportive community in terms of parents, governors, um, volunteers, families in the area mm. who, you know, everybody contributes. So, yeah, very, very lucky. So very tight-knit, very yes. supportive of each other. And obviously you at 18, yes. I, I, I won't ask how old you are now, <laughs> but obviously it made an impression on you then. Yes, so absolutely. So. Yeah. so that's a great mark of a great school. And in terms of its location, where is it exactly in Nottinghamshire? Uh, is it rural, urban, or it's in Plesley. So Plesley is on the Nottinghamshire Derbyshire border. Um, we are about just sort of five minutes ish outside of Mansfield Town Centre. Oh right. Yeah. the The school catchment has changed slightly because there's been a lot of new build housing development either taking place currently or that's already taken place. So the impact of that has been that the school has actually increased in numbers. Mm. We've gone from being a single form entry to now being two form entry in uh, foundation stage in years one and year two. Oh, right. So that'll then carry on, not the school, won't uh, it? In, yes, in, yeah, in theory. Right. Obviously, it depends on pupil numbers and um, I think there's there's more housing um, being developed, but it's, it's, an, exci- it's an exciting time. Mm. Um, you know, there's... There's a lot, there's a lot happening in the area. We've got uh, Mansfield Town, a building there, training complex right next to the school field as well. Oh, the football team. Yes. Yeah. And we're, we're very lucky, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that we'll, we'll have them as our neighbours. I bet you, um, I bet they'll be involved. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be roping them in to, to try and, to try and help out. But we're, we're lucky. We've, we've got quite a good relationship with them anyway. Cause, yeah. uh, the, the chairman of Mansfield Town is on our governing body. And it's That's very handy. It, yes, it, it helps. So we're just hoping we'll get the keys to the training centre. Oh, brilliant. Um, well, I'm get, I might touch on community partnerships later, yeah. actually, because the, the whole theme for this podcast is about workload. And obviously there's a massive amount talked about at the moment about yeah. teacher workload. There has been for a while now uh, about reducing workload. And at Cornerstones, we're obviously passionate about that. And we try to create our, our materials to help reduce the burden on teachers for planning and resources. But you as a teacher and senior leader, what do you feel, Adam, are the key issues for practising teachers in schools on workload at the moment? I think 
I think workload's a, a tricky one and it's um it's a word that can be misperceived. I think one of the in terms of in terms of workload, I think there's two ways of looking at it. Teachers work incredibly hard and I have never met or certainly never worked with a work shy teacher. And I think there's a danger with the workload agenda that there's a perception perhaps externally that we're looking to reduce the amount of work that we do. And the perception isn't on the fact that one of the big issues around workload, certainly that I feel, is that sometimes there are external demands and pressures that demand work of us that as teachers we see as getting in the way of really doing things that are valuable and matter most to the children. I think I know when the uh, the workload consultation group with the DFE reported back and they talked about there were three main themes that came out in terms of what was considered necessary, unnecessary workload. They'd got marking, planning and data management. Mm. Every class teacher would tell you that marking and planning, feedback and planning, perhaps even more so than data management, are key parts of the job. And it's the issue is sometimes what external pressures, and I'm talking externally beyond the school, not you know senior leadership teams, but what pressures might be felt around those things and whether the planning and uh, the marking that is required of teachers is really benefiting the children. Mm. Every teacher wants to do the best for the children in their class. And I think one of the biggest grievances, certainly for me historically, was when there were things that we were required to do as a profession, certainly wouldn't isolate any particular schools I've worked at, but professional demands or perceived professional demands that just you couldn't see the benefit they were having on the children. And that's job number one is to get the best out of those children. Yeah. And I mean, you, you're you in that position, senior leadership. So you yeah. as a school have obviously decided how, because you have a responsibility, don't you, to all staff to yes. make sure that workload is manageable. Yeah. Uh, if I could just pick up on marking then at Farmerlow, how how do you uh, have you got any systems in place that help reduce marking at your school? Yeah, I think we've got we obviously have a, a marking and, and feedback policy, and the best way to to talk about the way that we uh, give feedback at Farmerlow really would be to to split it up into three component parts because our maths feedback is very very different to the way that we give feedback in English and topic if you like. In maths, we're a, a mastery school. Our deputy head went out to Shanghai as part of the government program to take teachers over there and, and to learn. And, and we uh, we were visited by some teachers from Shanghai as well. Uh, and one of the approaches that we took from that in maths was that written feedback in maths is almost kept to a minimum in the sense that our maths feedback is split into three parts. It begins with requires intervention. So our maths is taught to the age-related objective. If we feel the children haven't secured the objective, we mark their work with ticks or dots and they're, alloc- uh, they're allocated to a requires intervention mm. support, which takes place immediately after, uh, after the lesson or at the end of the lesson, depending on timetables. And either the teacher or the teaching assistant will work with those children. So they're getting immediate live feedback, which is personal to those children. If we feel they've secured the age-related objective, then they're given a deeper understanding task, which is taking the learning from the lesson further. So the feedback in maths uh, has those principles of being timely, relevant, personalised, and equally it reduces the workload because I'm not sat at 3.30 marking maths books. Children have already responded to the marking, so you know it's having an impact, uh, which again impacts on your workload. I'm quite happy to put the work in to make sure that happens Mm. because I see the value of it. English, we provide written feedback and children are expected to look at that written feedback. A lot of the time as well in English, we'll do live marking. So we'll be marking or giving feedback 
in the lesson as we go along. So although you'll be looking at the books at the end of the lessons, we've also got self and peer assessment involved in that. So it's a very collaborative process, but also we have big rights every week where there's quite in-depth marking to the big rights, but that's really the only in-depth marking that takes place in the week. It's not overly burdensome. And for some of the children, which I know we're going to touch on in a bit, uh, we do something called writing conferences, which I'll come back to. And then in topic lessons, if you like, that's a mixture. Sometimes sometimes it might be peer feedback given. Sometimes the teachers will do written feedback. There's professional judgment allowed as to what's the best way to feedback on the learning that's taken place. Yeah. Uh, the beauty of a lot of the things in Cornerstones is that they are creative. They're not you know, worksheet-driven tasks that require mm. this formal level of marking. So the children are engaged. Um, they're working practically. It's hands-on discovery-led learning. And for us as a school, we've made the decision, I know some schools may or may not, but we've made the decision that we do want some evidence of that. And we use Pic Collage, an app on the iPad. We take photos and the children write a reflection um, based on the photos when they go in their books. So they're still reflecting and following up and articulating their learning. Mm-hmm. So what our marking policy really has been driven by, A, is some awareness of, of workload, absolutely, and it being manageable for teachers because if it's unmanageable, the effectiveness of it is likely mm-hmm. to be diminished. But equally, you know, it's allowing for what's right for the children and putting the children at the heart of that decision around marking. Mm. And that that obviously informs your own feeling towards the workload in terms of marking because you see benefit in doing it. Right, yeah. And it's all that thing that Ofsted have obviously brought this up, this impact. Yes. You implement what you think is going to make impact. Yes. So you as a school decide on that with the needs of the children. Absolutely. I think that's really clear. There's some lo- loads of tips there. I'm sure there are lots of schools, you know, who've got a very rigorous marking policy and they, they do use time saving and ways to make their marking more effective. But hopefully there's some ideas there that other schools and other listeners will find yeah. useful as well. well. You, Thanks, Adam. The, the, as I say, the things that we've, the, some of the things that we've taken on board have been you know, things that you, you talk to other teachers. And I think that's part of it. You, not everything works for every school, but making those decisions is in part, you know, with the support and with the conversations of other schools, whether it's in your family or your, um, or yeah. your collaboration, you, you learn from each other. Mm. Now, you mentioned earlier on, just for our listeners, you use cornerstones in your school and you yes. have done for five years. Yep. Now, another aspect of workload, which has been brought up is planning. Yep. And just, I'm interested in how you feel that having taken on Cornerstones five years ago, has that had an impact in the way you plan in school, uh, you know, in a positive way for reducing workload amongst teachers? And, and maybe how, and if you could explain how you've approached planning with Cornerstones. Sure. So my personal view as curriculum leader is that Cornerstones has a very positive impact on the way that we plan, deliver, resource, enrich and structure the curriculum. Our curriculum planning begins as a team. We have, for the last few years, allocated an inset day at the end of the academic year to do the long-term plan together as teachers. And what I like about that is that we get all of the uh, ILPs out. We look at what we've done the previous year, but also by having all the teachers together, rather than looking at it in isolation for your own year group, you're working with other people who bring life experiences or knowledge of other topics. They bring knowledge of the children you're about to get so they can talk about gaps or issues or things that work really, really well. Mm. So in that first instance, it removes the barrier of having to then look ahead to another year and figure out how you're going to plan it. By having that long-term overview, and we generally have that, in a good amount of time before the summer holiday enables us as a school to ensure things like you know resources and trips can be planned Mm. for 
there are always going to be surprises in an academic mm. year, but what we try and do is make sure that as a school we're well organised because mm. that impacts on your workload. Exactly. We're trying to be, you know, trying to minimise how often we have to be reactionary. Yeah. Um, and have everything together. So we've got our, our core texts. We hopefully all can make sure we know what we're doing and, you know, it's collaborative. We have key stage meetings as well where we'll share ideas. So it's now a feature of our key stage meetings that we'll, we'll take the time to talk about either lessons that we've already delivered or episodes of learning that we've delivered or things that we're struggling with. So what we're trying to do is make it that anything that might be difficult or, you know, could present a challenge to somebody who's never done in isolation. So, you know, helping each other out. Staff meeting time is is planned for. So we have a staff planner, which outlines sort of events that are taking place in school, key deadlines or things we need to be aware of, and equally what the theme of the staff meeting is going to be. So you can plan in advance uh, as far as that's concerned. We make you know, good use of electronic sharing and collaborating in that sense. Uh, we're very well supported with uh, the technology in school as well. Mm. And then something else which we've done an awful lot of the last two years particularly is really working with our local community, which I know we, we talked about briefly before. I'm personally, as, as a teacher and a curriculum leader, I'm very, very passionate about the role the school has in the community, but also how much the, the school community can offer to the school and, and equally what the school offers to its community. Yeah. We're very, very lucky that in particular this year, we've really benefited from something that's quite new to our area, which is Plesley Community Orchard. We've had a, an orchard planted um, by a local community group and a, a gentleman in particular called Matt Arnold, who's done a lot of work with the community orchard. And uh, they've reached out to us and we've reached out to them and worked mutually. So there's been things like beekeeping where the children have been able to go down oh, wow. get the bee suits up yeah. uh, had a go as well it's the most terrifying thing I've ever done uh, but the kids absolutely loved it and I have to say I did as well we've done mini allotments linked to the allotment mm. topic mm. the children go there for local walks just going down there for mindfulness we walked down a, a few times with the year sixes and just took that time out to chill and unwind. <laughs> with, and or without the chi- with or without the children. Well, that's <laughs> No, no, children we, need that time, they, don't they? They do, and they benefit yeah. from it. How and wonderful. it's that fresh air and getting out. But it, but equally, that's that's open doors. In particular, as I've mentioned, Matt's come into school. He's a, uh, he's a former physics teacher. So he's come in and contributed some terrific ideas mm. that would have been almost unachievable yeah so these these partnerships give you resources as well and resources that we've written a blog about this recently um and we're talking about resources in a wider sense so you're a resource your community is a resource and then these amazing community heroes and people who are keen to help who are committed to you know helping the next generation they're they're invaluable aren't they and they give the children a memorable experience whether it's part of the cornerstones topic or not but they're memorable and they you know they take a lot from that don't they a lot of a lot of learning a lot of uh, good memories as well and a sense of their own community Uh, yeah absolutely and that's a big part of it one of the one of the things that we really wanted to drive with the allotment topic was the fact that that community orchard they'd gone and planted there they'd they'd done a soil study they'd selected the best seeds for the ph level of the soil Mm. they'd made those decisions they planted the seeds and by virtue of the fact that they could keep going back to the orchard, the idea was that they could go and watch it grow in their own time and have the incentive to do so. Yeah. We've also made some good links with the local rambling group and the walk for health group through the, um, the local doctor's surgery. So again, things like local walks in the community, which the workload in terms of, you know, learning those walks, organizing maps, getting volunteers together and things that all could be inhibitive to doing those events, which is so valuable. 
by reaching out, they've taken a lead on that for yeah. us. They were very lucky that, as I said, the, the local Walk for Health group and a gentleman called uh, Keith Wallace has, has really embraced what we've been trying to do with that, yeah. suggested lots of walks, provided us with the maps, come on the walks with us. So that's mm. enabled us to do something that, that seemed quite ambitious but very meaningful. Yeah. He's made it instantly achievable. Yes, and, and reduced your workload in the way, uh, on Enormously, the way because yeah. it, of their expertise. And, and of course, a local walk doesn't need marking. No. <laughs> so. Well, back in the day, yes. when I took a worksheet, it might have. But no, that's great. So it's using the community. And going back to what you said as well at the top of that was that long-term, very high-quality planning, which is something we talk about a lot, which is to collaboratively work together on looking ahead, getting your projects, you know, whether that's the Cornerstones projects, mapping them out, mapping out your uh, what you want to do with the children and making sure you've got all your resources to yeah. go alongside that. It then enables you to have a coherence about your yeah. uh, and a scheme in place so you know where the children are starting and you know where they're where you want them to get That's to it. which I mean, is it, really important it's like any planet you know the year can throw changes and you it's certainly never necessarily set in stone but mm. it, it just gives you that overall direction and that understanding and it's also nice to um we have we have the document on on one sheet of a3 paper and I'm probably quite sad, but I like looking at that because when you look at that piece of paper ready for September, you, you can see the sort of things that are going to be going on in the school. And yeah. I look at some of the trips our children have got planned, like you know, Harry Potter World and the Deep and some of the innovate activities that the children are going to be doing. You know, the, the things that you look at it as an adult think, I wouldn't mind having a go at that mm. myself. So do the teachers then put, because the Innovate stage is part of the Cornerstones project. Yeah. So, so you have an overview, obviously, as curriculum lead, don't you, about what everyone's doing yes. at, at, at different terms. And you've got, I suppose you've got that benefit of an overview of sure. the range of experiences your children at yeah. Farmalow are getting. So. Yeah, so pre-planning actually cuts your workload. Absolutely. Collaborative planning yeah. cuts your workload or makes it, at least it streamlines it, makes it more yeah. meaningful. And then you mentioned marking. I suppose the one we've touched on a bit with the community discussion is about resources as well. And I just wondered if when you, obviously when you invested in Cornerstones five years ago, there weren't as many teaching resources back then, mm. but we obviously have them now. How uh, How is that impacting on teacher time, you know, in terms of research and the time taken to create resources? Do you adapt any? Do you, how do you use them? I think the, the, thing, that, the thing that strikes me is I, I can remember uh, as an NQT, you know, most of your resources you made yeah or you know you might have been jumping on TES or there might be somebody else who's made it somewhere else and can you know can give you uh, can give you it and there's been a real shift particularly you know for us as a school with with cornerstones in in the sense that that bank of resources are directly related to the topic that you're studying so it's one thing that there is now that broader wealth of resources out there online but the cornerstones resources eliminate that need to trawl through things and, and find the right thing because you know that limits your workload straight away because you know um you've got that quality resource there which is directly related to what the children are learning you know it's engaging and of course in addition to that what you know, has been added uh, and is again is useful is the bank of other classroom display resources which again are enormously helpful because it's those things like the keywords the banners even the book covers mm. oh, um, for listeners that's um they're on the hub which yes. is when you get the cornerstones curriculum there's an online platform called the hub and in each project that adam's mentioning that we do upload 
lots of pictures actually of different innovate stages displays and that kind of thing so it's good to know your teachers are you know finding that handy to look at those yeah i mean it, it comes back to that thing that there's resources and then it, it's about finding the best resource and i know there's been lots of there's been lots of times where i've either overheard or, or been involved in conversations and certainly when i was an nqt when people were talking about resourcing the time it takes to prepare a, a high quality resource and the impact that that has on workload because once you finish marking books you've got resources to yeah. prepare for the next lesson not having to do anywhere near as much of that of course massively reduces workload we still you know sometimes create resources or sometimes make things for various reasons you know what we what we try and do is as i've said before think about the children in our class so it may well be that sometimes we do think we need to make something or we need to have something but the amount that that is necessary has been enormously reduced certainly since we've uh, since we've had cornerstones and particularly with the you know the increase in the resources that are available now oh, on the that's hub. really good for, for us to hear because we've got a whole team obviously doing the job that say we all used to do as yeah. teachers but we've got the the time to research and make sure that the the resources yeah. are high quality. So it's good to know that that's having an impact in school. That's why we're doing it. That's good to know. So just finally on Cornerstones then, what would have been your alternative, Adam, as a school, if you hadn't have invested in Cornerstones, do you think, for creative curriculum and the impact it might have had on your school? Um, I think it's it's a very, very difficult question to to really give a final answer to because I know when we... When we first got Cornerstones as a school, uh, or when the decision was made, when Cornerstones was first presented to us back in, in, in 2014, we were incredibly excited. I think for a number of reasons, including obviously the amount of things, uh, the impact we could see in terms of how it would reduce workload around planning and resourcing uh, from that point. And also the fact that it, it was, we felt that with the creative cross-curricular approach that the Cornerstones ILPs have, it really tapped into what the ethos of our school is which is around that creative cross-curricular experiential learning trying to create anything similar ourselves would have been a mammoth task and i think one which you know you to do anything to the extent to which cornerstones has been done as an individual school would be a, an incredible task to take on i know i know lots of different schools make different decisions about how they approach the curriculum and, and whatever approaches they they take in terms of where their curriculum's taken from but I think for us, one of the things that we've particularly benefited from is the fact that as a school, the Cornerstones curriculum, like I said, from the outset tapped into the ethos that we have as a school, but also it did it in such a way that was achievable. If we'd been looking for something else or tried to create it ourselves, I think the, the feasibility of doing that might have actually impacted on you know how well something could be done. We've got topics in our school that cover things like Harry Potter or the ancient Egyptians or the Stone Age or pirates or you know, Rio de Janeiro. And it's that breadth of learning which is quality assured across the school and is instantly usable for our teachers, which I think is, is one of the, uh, is one of the real advantages. And like I've said, you know, from the outset, really, it, by having that in place from the outset, I, I would certainly hope um, that my colleagues feel like it, it frees them up to be able to really concentrate on doing the very best we all can for our children because they've got that, that really rich, valuable starting point to work from. And for me, that that's what the, the workload issue would come back to. It's that 
every single teacher that I, certainly all the teachers I know and all the teachers I've met and the teachers that I work with at Farmerlow, everybody's very, very happy to put in the work when that work is meaningful and valuable and they can see how it positively impacts on our children. That's what we all get out of bed for each day. Mm. I think the, the big issue around workload is when you lose sight of the value and uh, and I think that's that's the thing to keep hold of moving forwards. Certainly for us, which I, I think we're doing. I've got a, an excellent set of uh, colleagues and senior leadership team who really hold the children at the forefront of what we do. Yeah, it's crucial. And that's, yeah. that's what I'd encourage other schools to do before you make any decision. Think about the children, mm. whether it's a workload one or, or any any decision. Mm. It's you know, the children first. Um, and then obviously, uh, workload concerned your, your teachers as well. I think that's a great note to end on, Adam. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your holiday to come and talk to us today. And all the best of luck for the new term in September. It sounds like you're all raring to go. And, you know, if you want to check out Farmalo, do have a look at their website. Have you got Twitter as well? Um, uh, yes. Social um, media that the listeners could maybe check you out. Uh, yeah, my, myself and two uh, myself and two other teachers tweet as uh, at three edmigos okay there you go so and we can always add that link at the end of the podcast as well for the listeners so thank you adam and thank you the listeners for tuning in today and don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single podcast we've got some great topics coming up over the next few weeks for you until then goodbye